Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Gary is the Director of Church Health and Development for the movement that we're a part of, which by the way, uh, is I think, or it used to be the, uh, certainly the only Australian-born uh, Pentecostal movement uh, out of all of the churches uh, we didn't come from anywhere overseas, started right here. Next year is our 50th year uh, as a movement. And uh, so uh, there's now hundreds of churches around Australia, thousands overseas, and they've all come out of this movement that we're a part of. I want you to know that because uh, sometimes people hear about maybe churches where uh, there's not great support. You know, in this movement, uh, we have that. This church is audited twice independently, financially. We're probably one of the safest churches you could ever go to, not only financially, but also morally in every way, uh, that there's a great undergirding body that we're a part of. And Gary is a leader of a major section of that. And we're just happy to have him here with us, as well as none other than Andy Backhouse. I don't know if any of you here have been around long enough to remember when Andy and Mignon, his wife, were in this church. Way back in the day, I actually married that couple. Uh, way back, uh, however long ago it was. And uh, Andy is now the Director of Global Care. So it's kind of like Hope, but Australia-wide. And uh, he's here for the weekend with us as well. Thank you, Andy, and give our love to Mignon as well, won't you? We just so love you both. Uh, Gary came, we had a Friday all day with our WA pastors from everywhere from Cunnanar in the north uh, churches all over Western Australia. And that was great. And then yesterday morning, Gary spoke to a number of our leaders here in the church. And this morning, he's going to bring the Word of God to us. So how about you get on your feet? Let's give a big welcome to Pastor Gary Hurrigan. Here he comes. Thank you. Come on, give him a good hand. He's a good guy. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. I often... Uh go home to my wife and children and grandchildren now and say, so you should hear the introductions I get when I go away. They sound really good. You should record them and remember rather than reminding me of the real me. But uh, it is such a great privilege for us to be, for us, me and Andy, to be in Metro today. Uh, actually, my first time. I've been in ministry 30 years with this movement and uh, my actual first time in Metro Church. I've been over to WA a number of times, but uh, to be honest, without, uh, without sort of blowing wind up your kilt in any way, shape or form, it's one of, the, one of the flagship churches of our movement. It's when I think of, you know, even when I was years ago pastoring in Noosa, uh, Jeff would come and minister for us, and I think, wow, what a great blessing it is to know Jeff and Rhonda and to have their input into my life, uh, even though they're quite a bit older than me. And so uh, it's been such a great, uh, a great thing to have. Honestly, honestly, thank you so much for the work that's going on over here. We are believing for continual growth. We are believing for more churches throughout this great state. And I am believing for it to get a little bit warmer today. Hey, if you've got a Bible or whatever you use today, got some thoughts for you. Um, I was told there was a timer. It's up there. Okay, just so we know. I, I said, how much time do you need? I said, how much are you going to give me? 
So there you go. Got a thought for you. Obviously, I don't know you, your circumstance. Don't know whether you're on a high right now when things are going really, really well for you. I don't know if you're in the middle of some confronting circumstances that you're not quite sure what to do. I think when I came to know Jesus 38 years ago, I thought I wouldn't have any of those circumstances when I didn't quite know what to do. But life and time have proven me certainly wrong in that regard. But wherever we are, I've got a thought for you, that you have not come this far to only come this far. That there is more for you. One of the things I love about our movement is some years ago, 10 I think, we changed the name to INC, but we have a tag called Born For More. I was just saying to Jeff the other day, the first time I heard that, it resonated so so deeply in my heart that no matter what's happening with me right now, no matter what I've accomplished, good, bad, and otherwise in the past, God's got more for me. Uh, that uh, wherever I've come through, whatever I haven't come through, whatever confronts me in my future, that there is a God committed to me and that He has got more for me. So I just get a sense today, possibly in a crowd like this, there are people that are wondering, wow, what's happening right now? And I just want to encourage you with the thought that you haven't come this far or God has not brought you this far for you to only come this far. There's a passage in the book of Romans 8, verse 31, that I'm going to start with and I'm going to finish with today. And the Bible simply says this. It says that, What, shall, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us. Probably familiar to many of us, that passage of Scripture. And I look at the life of Gary Hurrigan, uh, the ups, the downs and everything else. And I wonder what my life would look like, maybe a little differently, if I actually lived like I believed he was for me. Every minute of every day that I was, uh, I was totally enamored, believing that well, no matter what I go through, God is for me. Maybe it's only us Queenslanders that wonder sometimes whether he is. By the way, there's a football game on this Wednesday night. Uh, Pastor Ray Allen is really looking forward to that game. So I uh, just thought I'd throw that in there. I want to do something this morning. And I know I probably shouldn't do things, take things out of Scripture. But for my life, in that passage, if God is for me, I want to take the if out. No matter what faces me, I need to be able to take the wonder if, if is he for me? Was he for me before? Maybe, but is he for me now in the middle of this? I don't know about you. Have you ever wondered in the calamity of life sometimes, in the pressures of life, and you've asked yourself what's going on. We need to be as a people, or at least I need to be as a person, a person that's convinced and convicted that there is no if, that he is for me no matter what I face. I wish I could say that I am and have always been like that, but to be honest, I have not. I have a desire to be. I don't want my walk with Jesus, to, my faith walk, to be up and down and up and down and up 
and down. I want it to be a continuum of believing because my foundation is firm and there is no if. I know he's for me. The book of Exodus, story that you will no doubt all know very, very well. Exodus chapter 14, verse 10. The story of God bringing his people, the people of Israel, out of Egypt after 400 years of slavery. Uh, And they are about to escape. God has done mighty, as we sang about this morning, God has done mighty miracles for the people of Israel. He's brought plagues on, 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 on Egypt. He has time and time again demonstrated his power and his favour for his people. And it's culminating in their departure from 400 years of slavery. And in verse 10, Pharaoh drew near and the children of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. And so they being so very full of faith and courage and courage, was standing firm in the promises of God and never doubting that he would deliver them. Oh, sorry, I got it a little bit wrong there. So they were very afraid. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Now, many of us have read the story and we know how it ends. But let's just for a minute or two put ourselves in the story. Here we've got a people that all they've known for 400 years is slavery. They've got no weapons. They've got no ability to fight. And they're running from, uh, they're, they're running to the promised land from Pharaoh. And on one side of them, they've got the greatest army on the face of the earth. Armed chariots, horses, trained, coming down. And on the other side, they've got a sea of water. I'm thinking it's a problem. (laughs) I'm thinking, where am I going to be? So very afraid or full of courage, believing. I mean, I, I, I think I probably know what side of the fence I would have fallen on. And so I want us to not just read the story as a story that we know the outcome, to be able to put ourselves in the story or in a story similar to this. Six years ago, last month, my wife and I were asked to go uh, over to my son and daughter-in-law, Andy and Steph, at the time, both 32 years of age. They said, would you come over and look after our our children, my grandchildren, any grandparents here? You got the second best grandchildren in the world. Congratulations. But would I come and look after the girls that at the time four and two, we need to go and get some results of tests. So over we go Friday evening, somewhere around five o'clock, they come home with the news that Steph has got melanoma and likely two years to live. Now, I don't tell you that story to tell you how good I was or anything like that, or even to feel sorry for us in any way. It is a classic example of Pharaoh on one side and a sea on the other. What am I going to do? How am I going to lead my family through this? What will my reaction to this be? And I would like to say that I did it all perfectly. 
I would like to say that I just straight away said, God is for us, who can be against us? I would like to say that I was a champion of faith, but in all honesty, I'd have to say I was very afraid because I didn't know. And that's not, I don't feel in any way, shape or form uh, guilt about that. I just feel it's a journey that God is teaching us all through life that no matter what the circumstances He is one who can be trusted. Now, at this stage, without me building uh, this around that story, we're six years on, Steph is still with us. Uh, She is not totally clear, but her scans for the last three years have been clear. Uh, She's doing a lot in the natural and we're doing a lot in the spiritual and we're continuing to believe because God has proven himself faithful. There was no guarantee that was going to happen. It's just an example of the journey. I don't know what Red Sea you're facing. I don't know what army is coming behind you. I don't know what circumstance it is that you might be facing, but I'm here today to lay a foundation that he is a God who is for you, who can be trusted. And then Pharaoh said in verse 11, sorry, then they said to Moses, <coughs> excuse me, in verse 11, because there were no graves in Egypt, you have taken us away to die in the wilderness. I've done miracle after miracle after miracle, and you made us believe that it was going to be okay, but you really brought us here to kill us. To bring us up out of Egypt. Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than we should die in the wilderness. Unlike the people of Metro Church, they they actually believed that God had brought them to the edge of his promise to let them die. We would never be like that. We, we would never believe that even though that we've seen the, the power and the favour and the grace of God on our lives over and over and over again, we would never doubt that we are going to get through the next thing, would we? we? Because we're such a people of faith. And here's what happened because you've read the story and you probably know the end. God turns up again and he says to Moses, just part the waters and they are delivered into the promised land. The Egyptian army comes in and they're all swallowed up and the people enter the promised land and there is a great shout of victory and once again, God has proven himself faithful to his people and they never doubt him again. (laughs) Until... Chapter 15, three days, three days later, they're thirsty. They come to the waters. I'm not going to go through the full story. Read the chapters yourself that they come to the waters of Marah. They're bitter. They're undrinkable. uh, They're thirsty. And so they believe again that God will do something because he is so faithful. No, they people complained against Moses saying, What shall we drink? The people of Metro Church would never be like this. So what does God do? He strikes the waters, he makes them sweet, he gives them a drink and he delivers them and there's praise and they never 
doubt him again. Until chapter 16. In chapter 16, they are now hungry. And they've got some, some water, but they've got nothing to eat. And in verse 13, sorry, verse 3 of chapter 16, the children of Israel said to him, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when they sat by the pots, we sat by the pots of meat and when we ate bread. It sounds really good, Egypt, doesn't it? Uh, we ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out of this wilderness to kill us. Well, <laughs> to kill us, this whole assembly, with hunger. You split the Red Sea for us. You gave us water only to want to kill us with hunger. Unbelievable, aren't they? Why would God put up with a miserable people like that? I can't believe. If he, why, didn't he, why didn't he just pick the people of Metro Church? They would not have behaved like that. So what does God do? He brings manna from heaven and they never doubt him again. And I'm not going to go on because chapter 17, they do it again. And right through the Old Testament, David anointed to be the future king, being persecuted and pursued by the then King Saul. He makes up his mind that he says, there's nothing more for me here. I'm, being, I'm going to be killed by Saul. I'll go and live with the enemy for a while and probably die there. What does God do? Saul falls on his sword. David's anointed the king. And God once again demonstrates his grace. Elijah is confronted with the, he, he's defeated the prophets of Baal. He's had great victory. And this, this woman called Jezebel is persecuting him, persecuting him. He runs to a cave. And what does he conclude? Nobody else. It's only me. I may as well crawl into my cave and die. What is it about us that doesn't trust him? What is it about us that even in the midst of all of the things he's done, when calamity, when Gary gets the call from the doctor, when Steph comes home, what are the things that send me into turmoil so that my walk for a season at least needs to be stabilised again in the truth of who God is? And what not only, please hear me today, not only what he's done for me, but who he is. Every time a dark cloud appeared, their confidence gave way, their hearts failed, and they entered into the language of unbelief. Because even though the sun was still shining, the clouds came and, 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 and I guess shaded the sun the sun is always shining, but the clouds, if we allow the clouds to, be, to come between us and the sun, we get tossed to and fro by every circumstance that may come our way. Exodus 14, verse 13. After they'd complained to Moses... Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. 
For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and you will hold your peace. Who wants to be like Moses? <laughs> Same army pursuing. Same Red Sea confronting. Even more responsibility because he's called to be the leader of these people. And yet he has a totally different response than the people of Israel. As I was reading this and I was journeying through the ups and downs of my own life, I started to question, what did Moses have? What did Moses know? What was Moses doing that caused him to respond differently to everybody else? Because I want to, on this journey toward maturity in my faith, I want to be able to respond with stability and with peace, even in the midst of the greatest calamity. And so my quest is, what was in Moses' life that wasn't in everybody else's life? They had all seen the same miracles. They had all established and walked through the same journey. What was in Moses' What was in great men and women of faith that I admire that hasn't been in Gary's life from time to time? Because if I can learn some of those things, then maybe my journey in God, my journey in faith cannot be a journey of up and down and up and down, depending on whether he's parted a Red Sea or he's given me water or he's delivered me from this. My my. my, my my stability, my faith, my peace is not dependent on those things. What did Moses have? And simply, I found really only just one little key here. In the book of Psalms 103, the, verse, the, 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 the famous psalm where, where, where the psalmist says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not. His benefits. Later on in that same passage in verse 7, the Bible says that God made known His ways to Moses and His acts to the people of Israel. Here's, this isn't rocket science. This isn't deep theology from me. You'll never get that. But the simple truth of it is that Moses knew Him. The people only knew what He did. And so the people's faith, the people's expression of faith, the people's experience was based on the last miracle for a short period. And people, I believe in miracles. I'm believing for Steph's healing. I've been through a cancer journey myself. I'm believing for you to be healed today. If you've got sickness in your body or you've got things confronting you, I'm believing for that. But my faith in God cannot be determined by just what He's done for me. It's got to be built on who He is. I gotta know he, I've got to know the character of God, not just the acts of God. I've got to know why. I love one of those songs we sang and I'm the worst singer in the world and I can't remember even what the words were. But one of the little lines there, he heals because he loves. He doesn't heal because he's powerful. He heals because he loves. It's who he is. He can't do anything else. 
He's committed to us so much because of who He is. And we in our own lives, if we're going to live a life, wouldn't it be good to be able to live a life of peace in the midst of whatever turmoil comes our way? That I can say, not if He be for me, He's for me. It's okay. Isaiah 26.3 You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. If I'm going to trust Andy Backhouse, I'm not going to trust him because he tells me to trust him. I'm going to trust him because I know who he is. I'm going to trust him because I know how he's wired. I'm going to trust him because I know his heart. I'm going to trust my wife. My wife's going to trust me. It's built on relationship. The only thing that will bring peace to my life is trust. I love it. How many know Job went through a few things? Job 22, 21 says this, Now acquaint yourself with him and be at peace. Acquaint yourself with him and be at peace. Thereby good will come to you. There's a writer that I read, a theological writer uh, that has influenced the last, I don't know, maybe 10 years of my journey. He lived in the 1800s. I haven't met him personally, but uh, nonetheless, I read a lot of his works. He says this about that verse. I want you to listen and catch this. True knowledge of God is life and peace. The more intimate our acquaintance, the more solid our peace. God is a rock and we only need to lean our whole weight on him to know how ready and able he is to sustain us. Don't you love that? Job's going through the ups and downs of life and he says, acquaint yourself. My peace, the degree of my peace is equal to the degree of my acquaintance. Not about what he's done, who he is. No shortcut here, people. I wish I could give you a silver bullet. I had lunch with Bruce yesterday and he asked me to silver bullets about growing churches. There are none. Okay, they're long journeys. They're journeys over time. There's no silver bullet to acquaintance with God. It's time with God. It's knowing His Word. It's being in community with other people where you're discovering and exploring not just the ways of God, but the person of God together. That when, I, when I'm confronted by the cancer challenge or I'm confronted by the economic challenge or I'm confronted, I know Him well enough to know that He has not brought me this far for me to only come this far. It's about... Acquaintance. I love even in Psalm 103 when David talks about the, the benefits and he goes into uh, the benefits. Uh, and I believe that as, because the Bible talks about Moses knowing his ways, he lists a bunch of things that are benefits of knowing God. How many know that your guilt and shame can rob you of your peace. But the psalmist says he forgives all 
Not just yesterday's. Not just the little ones. All of my iniquity. Maybe you're here today and you know you've tripped up. You know you've got things in your life shouldn't be there. And the enemy would want to bring shame on your life. Don't let it rob you of your peace. Get to know him. The one who forgives all of your iniquities. Not just because he can, but because he wants to. He loves you. Wow, this is deep, isn't it? God loves you. You can't get any deeper. He is love. How many know when we're going through sickness, disease, pain, it has the ability to rob us of our peace? And the psalmist says, no, he heals all of my diseases. How many know that a lack of direction in our lives, uncertainty, can rob us of our peace? The psalmist says he redeems my life from destruction. It literally means he puts the purpose back. If you're in this place and you can't see a purpose for your future, I want to tell you about a God who wants to put the purpose that he ordained before the beginning of time right back into your life right now. How many know that broken relationships, broken marriages can rob us of our peace? You want to know why I'm bald? You do. My reason's probably different to yours. I'm bald because God keeps putting a crown of love on my head. And it's rubbed all the hair off. It's my theory anyway. Hey, Peter, it works. Hey, when the world has robbed us of our peace, when people have let us down, when we're broken and we're hurting, the language of the Bible, he crowns me with love. Why? Not because he can. Because of who he is. And it goes on and on and on. You ever felt that life is passing you by? If you've noticed, I'm 30-something now. But I love this. He renews my youth. I've got things that have just happened in recent months and I'm thinking, wow, he hasn't brought me this far just to put me out to pasture somewhere. He's got more for me to do. He crowns me with loving kindness. He renews. Are you getting the picture today that we don't base our life and our testimony and our peace and our faith on the miracles that we're believing for? but we base it on the acquaintance that we have with a God who's done so much for us. So I said I was going to finish back in Romans chapter 8 and I'm going to do that right now because I want us, before we leave today, this may sound all very good to you, this may sound that, wow, all I've got to do is be acquainted. And as I said, that's not a five-minute journey. But unlike the children of Israel, we've got to build on something that is more firm than whether life is good or bad for us right now. We've got to find something that we can pin our faith. As I said before, if God is for me, how do I know? 
He is for me. What can I build? What can I attach? What can I underpin my life with that leaves beyond doubt? Gary, when the circumstances have caused you to waver, what have I forgotten? And the Bible says in verse 28 of Romans 8, we know that all things work together for those, uh, together for good, sorry, to those who love God, those who called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, those he called, those he called, he justified him, he justified, he glorified. And 31, as we've read, says, and then what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And verse 32 takes the if out. For he, if you've got an if today, if you've got a Red Sea, if you've got an army, if you've got a sickness, if you've got a calamity, if you've got something that's bearing down on you today and you and your power can do nothing or very little about it, if you're wondering today if God will deliver you, if you're wondering if he's brought you this far to only come this far, if you are uncertain about your future, things that we all go through in life, we need to come back to, a, to verse 32 and say, how do I know his, who he, he, sorry, how do I know he is for me? Because my Bible tells me, my experience tells me, my acquaintance with him tells me, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also deliver me from my sickness, continue me on my journey, heal my relationships, commit to me for my future. The proof is not an if, the proof is he's already demonstrated his commitment to me in that he did not spare his son. Here's the problem with the people of Israel. Before they departed Egypt, God said, go and sprinkle the blood of a sacrificial land over the doorpost and I will protect anybody covered. And they journeyed through the promised land. They journeyed through the, through the circumstances and they forgot that God did not spare the sacrificial lamb. When I walk through the ups and the downs of life, and I respond in ways that would indicate my acquaintance is wanting. I've forgotten that he didn't spare his son. Oh, I may know it theologically. I may know it academically. I might be able to tell anybody. I might be able to prove it through scriptures. But my acquaintance, my heart, has forgotten. And if you're here today and whether you've got a, an absolutely rock solid acquaintance or whether you've never even met Jesus, whether you've not even started an acquaintance with him, or maybe you've had one and you're going through the ups and downs of life right now and you, you like me on that day in May 2018 or 17 or whenever it was, you may find that it's a little bit shaky right now. Can I point us this morning 
to the God of not just the God of miracles, but the God who loved me so much that he didn't spare his son. How can I doubt? Even if I do die, my journey's not finished. I'm going to be with him. I can't lose in this, this fight. I can't lose in this walk because he and who he is is so committed to me. And church, I want us to be, if you're here today and you've not started that acquaintance, I want you to invite, I want you to introduce the God who loves you so much, so committed to you. He could have spared his son and sent us all to a Christless eternity. But because of his love, he decided not to. He didn't spare the very son of God, but sent him that you and I may walk with him. Today, if that's you, you've, you, you feel today, I need to start an acquaintance. If you feel today that you've already got an acquaintance, but you need to strengthen that acquaintance, could I, could I encourage you? I'm not going to say, go and read your Bible five hours a day. or, or but, but look, open it up sometime. And not just open it up to find out what he did. Open it up to find out who he is. Get into small groups and make sure your attendance at church, you're already here, but is regular. Because in there, in the richness of other people's journeys, we do the, we do the journey together. And as we acquaint ourselves with each other, we find our acquaintance with him strengthened as well. How do I start an acquaintance? I simply ask him into my heart. Right now, how about we, if you don't mind? I want to pray again. Hey, I want to ask him in my heart again. I want, him to, I want to start the acquaintance again today. I didn't just start an acquaintance with my wife 45 years ago and we got married. We have an acquaintance every day. Why don't we, church, ask God to help us either to start or continue and strengthen our acquaintance with him. Father, I don't know the ups, the downs. I don't know the past. I don't know the experiences of people in this place. But I know this, Lord. I know you're for us. Not because I feel it. Not because you've done a miracle. Not because I hope it. God, I know you're for us because you didn't spare your son. And so, Father, I invite every person here, including myself, to once again ask Jesus Christ, who wasn't spared, who was the Son of God, who died and rose again and sits at the right hand of the Father and is right now praying for every person in this room. Father, I invite you into my heart and I give every person here the opportunity to invite them, you, into their hearts. I pray from this day forward, Lord, for me, for everyone in this room, that, Father, we would live a life of peace. Not because we don't have calamity, but because, Lord, we are acquainted with the Prince of Peace. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. What a great word. Thank you so much. Let's just give Pastor Gary a big hand. So powerful, so true. There isn't one of us in this room or online, lots online, I see that, but there isn't one of us, no matter where we are, that 
can't benefit from knowing Jesus in our life, from starting that. I, I know lots of us, every time we have this moment where we talk about giving your heart to Jesus, I remember where I was. Almost every single time I remember what I felt like. I remember hearing that Jesus didn't want to just be up in the sky, up in heaven somewhere, but He wanted to be with me. I couldn't explain it all. Not sure that I had deep understanding. I don't think I understood all the truths of the Paschal Lamb and all the covenant stuff that Gary's mentioned. I just knew in my heart that I wanted God. Somebody at the front said, this is what you should do. You should pray and ask Jesus to come into your life. And I don't know, it just made sense to me really. And I did it. Never regretted it, not once. Had lots of those calamities, but never regretted it. Maybe you're here today or you're with us online or you're online later, as thousands are. And you go and you say, how do I start? Let me help you this morning two things I want to do. One, I want to pray with you right now, right where you are. And if this is later, a week or so later, and you are getting this, you can pray it right in that moment where you are. God is listening. He's eternal. He's not bothered by calendars or dates. So you can pray it and know that Jesus is listening and He'll come into your life. All right? So let's do that right now, if that's you. Just simply pray this prayer. I'm going to pray it and then you can say it after me. But You make your prayer to Jesus. Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. Please come in and help me. Forgive me. I want to walk with you every day of my life. I want to get to know you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Amen. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, either right now in this service, or online, or in the day to come. Why don't you let us know about it and let us help you? You know, when I first gave my heart to Jesus, there was somebody I rang every single day. I said, tell me what I do with this. Tell me how how to pray. I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know what to say or what to do next. I had somebody, and I'm not sure everyone else does. That's why we created Yes Text, so everybody has somebody. And if you give us your Yes Text, as people did this week, If you do that, then we will send you a Bible verse and a prayer. They're different every day and you get it every day for 30 days. There's more after that if you want to opt in for it. It's all completely free the whole way through. Then if you want to do that and you're in Australia, you go to 0488-826-392. If you're outside of Australia or it's better for you to get it via email, you go to yes.metrochurch.org.au. Either way, we will send that to you. By the way, you can ask questions if you've got them and our team will respond for that. Not only that, we'll start praying for you. Go, but I haven't told you my name. I go, that's okay. God knows who you are and we're going to help you. So God bless you as you do that. And uh, thank you again, Gary, for such an amazing word. Can we just appreciate Gary? I don't know where he's gone, but uh, thank you, Gary, so much for that word. Oh, there he is down there. What a great and fantastic word that was. I, I just love the title, man. You got me at the title. God did not bring me this far so I could just come this far. That one, I'm going to remember that all week.